Podcast Fam. In today's episode, we have the honor to introduce you to Fitz Kohler, a fitness expert who teaches via mass media, corporate speaking, and spokesperson work. She's the founder of The Morning Mile, a before school walking and running program. She's a professional race announcer who emcees many of the largest and most prestigious running events in America. Last but not least, Fitz is an author who's releasing her new book, My Noisy Cancer Comeback, Running at the Mouth While Running for My Life. In today's episode, we hear her incredible story, what led to the creation of Morning Mile, the mindset when facing an obstacle like cancer, the bright side of having poop on your face, and so much more. I can't wait to hear what you think of this episode. You are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa! <laughs> I did it with you that time. That was great. I like, I like the balance there. It was good. I'm your host, Colin Austin, and my co-host is Michael Dees. What's going on, man? What's up? So this is the week of Halloween. I have a question for you. We're, we just got, we're, we're through with this COVID, right? Uh, are you going to let the kids trick or treat? Is that a thing this year? You know, so my kids play travel soccer and we have a whole day of like travel soccer that day. So I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm totally fine with them trick or treating, going around from neighborhood to neighborhood doing their thing. Right. And, you know. Do you have to like pick out their costume? I mean, they're wearing a mask anyway. Right. It's, like, <laughs> right? it's like, how much more COVID friendly could you be? Do they tell you what, what they want to be for Halloween or do you pick costumes for them or? No, no, I don't even have a clue what they're, what they are yet. I mean, of course, we're, for everybody who's listening, we're recording on September 29th. So I mean, right. I should know by the time right, this airs, but I'm thinking I'm going to pull out the Deadpool again, man. I mean, I spent so much money on that costume and it's a fantastic Deadpool costume. I got like the legit thing and that's for me. So I don't know, maybe they'll be Deadpool's children. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just curious, because this is the first time I've lived in a house, outside, like not an apartment, but a house in a long time, and I just don't know whether I should expect kids coming or not. You know? Oh, you should totally expect kids coming, okay. but ask the neighbors. You got neighbors, like knock on the door, say, kids trick or treat or what? And you better be the cool house. Like we're always the cool house with like the full size yeah, candy bars. Not gonna, like be the like cool king house. size Kit Kats is what I'm talking about. Yeah. You better be that guy. I'll make like baked goods. That's a terrible thing. No, no, yeah, kids don't. Parents, that's the stuff that parents just automatically throw in the trash because right. they're like, that has razor blades in the, I that like, cookie. I want to do like parent trick or treating where I give them like white claws. Absolutely. Uh, dude, that's, that's super famous in my neighborhood, yeah. man. Where they go around and get like a glass of wine, a beer. Like, we got some. Look, we got some that should be a, that should be a holiday. Like, you should take the kids trick or treating on Halloween, and then November 1st, the kids should take their parents trick or treating. I like it. That should be a thing. Uh, all the ideas that spark know, on this podcast it's like it's like we were meant like that for entrepreneurial us. spirit <laughs> you guys i'm so excited to get in today's show but before we do uh, you definitely have to give some love to our incredible sponsor the rap spot um uh, as i said in the last episode we did a great promo with them um where we ended up giving away a rap yeah what was that was that like early 19 i don't know it was that a sounds year right. yeah dude it's amazing how fast this show has like gone by um but it's had to been like a year year and a half ago um and fun fact they were our first ever sponsor so we're so grateful that they are still sponsoring our show so mad love to the rap spot uh you guys if you want your business to be seen when you are out on the road there's no better way to show off that brand than by wrapping your own vehicle when businesses have a wrapped vehicle in a neighborhood or in and around campus everyone immediately knows who it is they go this look mom there's the 
so-and-so company. <laughs> they just automatically point you out. And of course, uh, you'll start receiving texts as the business owner. This is what happens to me. I always receive texts. Like, you've been spotted. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope I hope nothing went wrong. <laughs> I hope my driver wasn't speeding. I immediately, why do right. I automatically think it's gotta be something bad? You know, like. Because the world we live in. I mean, <laughs> somebody sends me a text of, you know, our wrapped vehicle. I'm like, oh my gosh, what now? Right. <laughs> uh, anyway. It'll actually bring a smile to your face, you guys. Make sure you're advertising your business uh, and by wrapping those vehicles and contact the wrap spot. They're so good to us. Be good to them. Give them a call at 352-872-5363 and make sure that you tell them that, hey, I heard about this amazing business on the WHOA GNV podcast. That's right. The business, uh, the podcast <laughs> makes business really cool. Uh, so it's funny how sophisticated these things have come because I remember back in 2004 when when you started New Scooters for Less, you had the old Civic, mm-hmm. and on the back was www.newscootersforless.com. Right. Right. And just a decal so, so that everybody back. knew that that's who, who you were. And now you get these like crazy intricate wraps. We even saw like a uh, when the Star Wars movies came out, we saw a genuine buddy come in with a BB-8 wrap and it yeah, was like cool. it was wild looking and that's a cool way to like distinguish your scooter too. So. Well, and not, now that you say that, Garrick over at the wrap spot, they've totally wrapped some scooters for us. Yeah. I mean, we've done some really cool wraps with them. They can wrap anything. Yeah, they can wrap anything. They've even wrapped our uh, our service doors. Yeah. Like it, says, it says service department on our service doors. They wrap, you can literally wrap it and maybe we'll just wrap the entire building. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> but anyway, mad love to those guys. Thank you so much for your support, Garrick. You guys are incredible. And uh, let's get into today's show. Yeah. Today on the show, we have Fitz Kohler of fitzness.com. That's F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S.com. She is a fitness expert, founder of Morning Mile, professional race announcer, and now author. We can just keep adding on to keep this. Keep going, <laughs> keep bring going. it. Uh, Vince, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. I'm Very happy to be here. I'm so excited to have Whoa. you. And I don't know if you know, like, so my kids, you're talking about Morning Mile. Mm-hmm. My kids dominate Morning Mile. Nice. Dominate. Tell me. So my son, Schaefer Austin. All right. Over at Talbot. Yes. Like he has broken, I don't know, like all these records and stuff. Now now he's in middle school. Right. So he's, you know, at Westwood He was a now. six, 700 miler, wasn't he? Yeah, he was up there, man. I don't even know I, how many miles, I but it was crazy. About. Yeah. Crazy. And like, I'm, <laughs> I mean, they try to drag me out there to like run some laps. I'm like, oh my gosh, how did these kids do this? And they uh, come en masse and there's so many parents and sometimes teachers and bus drivers. They do. They absolutely love it. I love they it love too. It. And this year has been so tough on them because yeah. of COVID and not being able to like really participate and do right. morning mile. It's been so difficult. But anyway, um, my kids are big fans. Good. That makes me <laughs> so, happy. That I'm makes so grateful thank of you. your creation. Give them uh, extra kisses from me tonight. I, I will. And uh, but you know, I can dive into so much more of that. But why don't you? Like, we like to start with the story. Really here you know, how you got into your career and everything that's happened. And I know that you're putting out this incredible book. And so I really just want you to like throw it, throw it back, baby, throw it way back and tell us your story. All right. So I'll make a long story short because it could be a very long story. <laughs> but uh, I started teaching fitness when I was 15, blew my knee out playing soccer. And then I started physical therapy before I had surgery just to see if we could repair anything and during the process I thought wow I really enjoy this environment I like the physical therapist I loved helping people I love the gym atmosphere and I thought maybe I could do this 
And then I had the surgery, and post-surgery, I, I guess I had a cast for a couple of weeks, and then they took the staples out. And right after I got the staples out, I went down to the physical therapy office again, and the therapist started kind of scratching at my wound, and I thought, ugh, that's disgusting, no thank you. So um, medi- medicine, medical stuff is out for me. Um, but I was referred by the PT to join a gym, to continue my rehab exercises so I could keep strength and not re-injure my knee playing soccer. And so my mom lied. She said I was 15 so I could join this women's gym called Spa Lady. And I got in there and I started working out and I really enjoyed that. And it was back in the day when they called it aerobics and I thought, oh, these instructors are so cool. So. I had been working at Cinnabon of all places when I was, when I was 15. <laughs> like it was meant to be. Like the total opposite of what I do oh, now. But I went from Cinnabon and I had a cranky manager and I wanted to leave. So I applied at Spa Lady and they said, well, have you ever taught fitness before? And I said, no, but I've been through PT and I've learned a lot through that process. I really seem to love the human body and I do a lot of classes. And this was a Tuesday. They said, well, can you teach one on Friday night? And I, w- I just said, Okay, because <laughs> I'm a gamer. I said, "Sure, I'll do that." And Hold so on. I sh- real, real quick. Where, yeah. where was this at? It was this um, was local, right? North Lauderdale, Florida. Okay, Fort Lauderdale. Okay. yeah, way south. And uh, but yeah, I showed up Friday night, and I think there's 20, 30 women. And I stood up and I said, "Hi, my name is Fitz, and this is my first class. I'm going to do my best. But if you have any constructive criticism when we're done, let me know." And when I was done, they said, wow, that was really fun. You did a great job. Uh, include more arm movements, be a little more creative with your arms, and be louder. And it's funny, I look back and I think, oh my God, how in God's earth was I ever not loud? Because <laughs> my nicknames are bossy and noisy. I'm one of the loudest people in the world, at least when I'm working. So I transitioned from there, continued I continued teaching a spa lady for a few years, and I came up to UF, and I immediately applied at the rec center which was a blast and we were just playing <laughs> my hype song, right? Ludacris, get back. So at the get rec back. center, I could play vulgar rap music and none of the college kids complained. So that was a really <laughs> fun time. And, uh, and then over the summer after my sophomore year, I ended up working on a cruise ship, a five-star cruise liner in Europe, uh, sailed through Scandinavia, Russia, England, and they allowed me to do demonstrations in various countries, so that was kind of fun, and I just continued progressing with my career. And when I came back to Gainesville, there was a local producer hiring for a TV show, a workout TV show called Cardio Jam. So I auditioned, and thankfully he chose me, and it was me and a handful of other instructors, and the show was really great, and one of my aha moments, one of those pivot points came when I was at Sonny's, so (laughs) Sonny's Barbecue, not considered the healthiest food in the world, although it can be, right? Maybe better than Cinnabon. (laughs) Right, so I'm sitting there, and our waitress, she was probably over 300 pounds, not someone you would look at and think, gee whiz, she she exercises and so forth, but she was taking our order, and she said, are you Fitz? And I said, yeah, she said, I love your show. I watch it when it's on, I record it so I could work out with you when it's not and I have lost 17 pounds, thank you. And that blew me back. I thought, oh my gosh, I got to help this person and I never even met her. And you know, I was in the college circle, she was in the grown-up mom circle and- Super impactful. Yeah, it mattered to me and I thought, this, I like this. And um, soon after, 
I started, I was a competitive kickboxer for about 10 years and they were doing articles on me and they kept butchering things. They kept butchering my name, the spelling. Folks, it's F-I-T-Z. There's no R in my name. Just, I like to throw that out there. (laughs) But they would butcher my name or they would make up quotes. And finally, I got the courage to ask the editor, hey, can I write an article? And he said, sure, how much do you want for it? And I thought, oh my gosh, you're gonna pay me? So I write an article called How to Kick People in the Head. And it was a combination of strength, stretching, and strategy. And so they pl- published this article in Black Belt Magazine. And within a month, I get an, a, a, redder, a letter, a handwritten letter from Kentucky from a guy who says, oh my God, I love your article. Thank you so much. I just kicked someone in the head. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> it blew me back. And I thought, oh my gosh, I did that. That was amazing. I got to help awesome. someone in Kentucky kick someone in the head and so my career quickly (laughs) steered towards mass media and so what I do is I teach fitness my goal is to help folks live better and longer by making fitness understandable attainable and fun I always tell the truth sometimes with a poke in the chest sometimes I'm very abrasive about it and I get away with it because people know I love them but the one thing I've never done is sell out I've never sold a pill a powder a shake a supplement, all this snake oil and crap people are pushing to line their pockets as opposed to helping people. So um, highly effective at what I do. I have a master's degree in exercise and sports sciences from UF. It's one of my proudest feathers in my cap, but I, I don't make a living off of the individual. You know, I hand out the information for free. If anyone goes to fitness.com, right on the covers, an article called The Exact Formula for Weight Loss. It teaches you how to eat the right amount of the right food for the side you wanna be, size you wanna be. There's no scam, there's no gimmick. It's just a little science, a little math, a lot of discipline. Boom, you get to be who you want to be with that formula, plus some quality exercise. And then, of course, I have the Morning Mile program, which is in 400 schools around the world, four countries. And last but not least, I'm a professional race announcer, and I host some of the largest, most prestigious running events in the country. And what that means is I stand at the start line when people arrive. Most of my races have between 5,000 and 35,000 people. But I gather people, get them organized, play fun music. I give them the information they need to know, course information, sponsor information, and then I make them a team. You know, I let them know they're welcome and we have a hell of a fun time and I whip them in the frenzy and then I yell, go. And then they leave and I'm sad because I wish we were still together. And then I move over to the finish line and I welcome them all through the finish line, hopefully making them each feel like they've won the race. I feel like you need. I feel like you need more things to do. Right. <laughs> well, I'm just like listening. I'm like, uh, and I like how she like just breezes about. Yeah. So you know, I created Morning Miles and 400 schools and all these countries. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Well, and well, here's no a, big deal. Here's the deal, though. I'm somewhat of a one-trick pony. I do a lot of things, which helps me do one specific thing, which is help folks live better and longer. It's all laser focused on the same result. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah. I mean, tell me, so I heard you in like when you're kind of sharing your stories, eh? you know, I came back to Gainesville. I mean, but you were in North Fort Lauderdale. Like, well, right. so when like when were you in Gainesville and you left and came back? Like what's what's the journey in and out of Gainesville been like? Because our audience is super heavy Gainesville based. Right, and people always tend to come back as I've learned, but I came here as a freshman and I left after I graduated and I was stupid. I graduated in three years, which what? college student in their right mind leaves the University of Florida early. I mean, that's a dumb move because it's so fun, right? 
So I leave, I move to England, and then... Some people like to go for many, many, as many the years. the smartest people do. Congratulations <laughs> on that good yes. decision. Um, but yeah, so I went down to Fort Lauderdale, and then I moved to England, and I thought, this is dumb. I miss, I miss beer and boys. That's the truth. I just thought, oh my gosh, Gainesville, beer and boys. So I came back to get a master's degree. And then I met my husband who's a, um, he works for the city as a police, a police officer and he has his retirement here and he's been working here for 28 years. So awesome. here we are and I get on a plane for a living. Very cool. Yeah. So, I mean, tell me, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah I keep going. I'll get my, uh, so tell me a little bit about the Morning Mile program because I mean, you, I mean, you really kind of breezed by it in your story. Just right. Like, I mean, I mean, it had to take some time to get that into all of these different schools. I mean, why why were you inspired to create this? You know, what what's the reason behind all of it? And, Explain and, a little bit too, because yeah. most most yeah, of yeah. what I know about it it comes it's from, through me from and like what I've said it. on yeah, the show. So. All right, so the way I understand it, and you can correct me if I'm sure. wrong, and give give us the truth, uh, <laughs> is that. You know, like this is a program uh, that happens bef- like before school. Yeah. About a, ha- I would say about a half hour. Yeah. Um, and they get out there and they run laps like on a track. Yeah. And and it's been great. I mean, at least for our children, um, one they've really excelled in their sports. My kids are playing travel soccer and a lot of these things now. And I mean, I have all star athletes in my family, which is fantastic. And I would attribute a lot of it to this program. Um, but the best thing about it is really for the in my opinion for the teacher's sake yeah. uh they get out there and they burn all of this energy man you know like imagine <laughs> imagine students imagine kids walking in here at 9 a.m <laughs> bouncing off the walls you know right. what i mean like they're getting in there and they're burn off all this energy and then they come able and ready to focus on school you just um, made the sales pitch right there yeah we're helping them become fitter and healthier and and you know people some people focus on their achieving ideal weight great but really it's an awesome way to start your day we always say they get their youthful energy out and by the time they sit down in class they're ready to be still is that why you created it though or what's the reason it's a it's a good story so my when my kids were three and five uh, they had some of their friends. They, were, you know, they started kindergarten. My oldest, Ginger, she started kindergarten. So did her friends. And there was a couple of moms who said, "Oh, my kids are running before school in a program called the Morning Mile." And I thought, "Oh, that's that sounds great. I wish my kids could do that." And one was at Glen Springs. One was at Talbot. One was at PK. And they kept referencing, and I kept saying, "Wow, what a really good idea. I wish my kids could do that." And within a few months, all of a sudden, the light bulb went off, and I thought, "Gosh, with." I wish all kids could do that. I mean, that just seems to be the answer to all of our nation's problems. I mean, you think if we could get to people before they hit the oh crap stage, before they're already really out of shape or overweight, they don't need diets, they don't need pills, they just have this healthy habit that carries them through life. Our, our national debt would be destroyed if we weren't such a sick country. So, and it's equipmentless for the most part other than the rewards and the music. So. I started going to those schools. I went to Talbot, I went to Glen Springs, I went to PK Young, and they all had kind of different versions of the program. You know, some were being run by volunteers, some were being run by teachers. They had different uh, lap tracking devices and so forth. So I said, I'd like to make a program that's duplicatable. Can you share with me what you're doing? And they said, absolutely. And so uh, those three schools, and there was another I can't remember, but 
what I did is I took their best practices, I put it together, I decided what equipment would serve to make the program the most fun, the most rewarding, and then at that time, I happened to train one of the vice presidents of AvMed Health Plans, and I said, Steve, if I could get this program going, if we get permission by the superintendent, Dan Boyd, would you fund this? I wanted everyone to have a stereo and rewards and all this stuff. And so Dr. Boyd said yes, and then AvMed said yes. They funded 42 programs, because that's exactly how many schools were in Alachua at the time. So I offered it up as a free for the school. You know, schools pay for all this stuff. They're not willing to invest in fitness. So I thought, we'll give it to them for free, and a corporation will pay for it. And so I think 17 schools bid off on it at the time. This is 2010. And... then I asked Avmed, I said, hey, can I open up the other 25 programs up to the rest of the state since you're a Florida-based healthcare company? They said, absolutely. And so word got around. In fact, word got to the, Nicole Wilder was her name, the Department of Education Physical Ed Director, uh, the State Phys Ed Director. She found out about this quote-unquote grant type thing and she emailed all of the counties in the state and said hey these morning mile programs are available go to fitness.com or morningmile.com to get them and so I was in a movie with my kids and all of a sudden my phone starts beeping beep 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 and it was like 200 schools that day applied for these 25 programs dang yeah, which was super exciting that all these schools were interested in giving their kids the opportunity to get moving in the mornings, but then all of a sudden now I had a deficit. Now I thought, oh my gosh, there's 200 schools that wanna help their kids get moving. Now I need to find sponsors to get them funded. So it just instantly became this balance. And you know, the program's been great. 400 plus schools, four countries, most states in the United States, and I'm not done. So I'll be happy when every school school in the United States has the program. I love going outside the country, but my focus is immediately American children, and it's awesome. I mean, the success stories are extraordinary. Morning Milers have run millions and millions of miles, and your son, six, seven hundred miler, my son ran over 500 miles a, a few times, and you know, it's interesting. Some people say, wow, a kid will run 100 miles, and I say, no, no thousands and thousands of kids run over 100 miles per year. Some of them do upwards of 700 miles. So it really is changing lives. And the success stories I hear from students, parents, families, faculty is, you know, they're never ending and I couldn't be more proud. Yeah, even Maddox, I mean, before he was in, before he was going to Talbot, like, as a you know preschooler mm-hmm. would get out there before him going Incredible, to his preschool right? and just and just run as a little you know three or four year old like little yeah, yeah. I mean, it felt like a toddler yeah like running around the track and a man like even he racked up over a hundred miles I mean it was like I ridiculous and here's the thing people are like oh you got to make your kids run we don't morning milers don't have to run it's a right. volunteer activity right. they get to run. And we just unleash them. We say, here you go, have fun. It's 30 minutes. You can walk one lap really slow. You can run four miles really fast, up to you. But we unleash them and they blow our minds. Yeah. It's incredible. It's it's really, it really is. It's pr- pretty much a sight for, you know, to see. And like I, uh, for me anyway, when I go out there and try to run with them, <laughs> I get embarrassed by like all uh-huh. these kids, man. They're like, I'll do me. I'm like, all right. I told my I told my son like well I'm like I'm gonna go practice now so I can like <laughs> that's right <laughs> so I can keep up with you which I'll never be able to. But. So what motivates them to run? I mean, is it just the end en- en- energy 
expenditure or is it that his friends are doing it? Is it like what, what, what gets him? That's a great question. You know, I think that it started with everybody's doing it. Yeah, it's fun. You know, I think it's like, oh, my, like everybody goes, like everybody's doing it. My friends are out there, like, let me go. And then it slowly became like, I could, I could be at the top of this list at the end of the year. Sure. You know, I think like he starts to like track, you know, Shannon did a really good job of really trying to like help them like track their miles per day and kind of like setting some of the goals and seeing their progress. And, and I think that mentality is just like, man, like I could, I could be at the top of this list and, and he, and he was. And there's a um, lot of pride. We give out uh, reward necklaces. So each child gets a beaded chain necklace once they complete five miles. For every additional five miles, they get another sneaker charm. And so these necklaces fill up. I mean, they're around the neck, they're colorful. And, you know, instead of people worrying about what brand of shoes is on your feet, they're interested in what or how many shoes are around your neck. And it's a real. Uh, source of pride. It definitely is a motivator. Yeah, I it's so it. good that you like took it and like really systemized it and like made it available to everybody. That's really cool. It's the most important thing I've ever done professionally. So one day when my time comes, my tombstone will say "Mother, Wife, Morning Mile." <laughs> that will be it. Uh, very good. That's awesome. No, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I I know that there's much more to your journey. So do you mind sharing with us some of the challenges that you've been through in the last you know, couple of years here and, and what it's led you know, to you writing a book now, right? Yeah. So like, let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah, so I am in exhibit A right now. In December of 2018, I had a clean mammogram and I'm very proud to say that annual exams of all sorts and early detection have always been a part of my platform as a fitness professional. I've always hounded people, go to the doctor, get your skin checked, get your vision checked, your pap smear, your colonoscopy, all of the above. And so December, I think it was 28th of 2018, I go in, I get the mammogram, come out with the hooray, the congratulations, you're cancer free, get in my car, make the Instagram post, reminder, everyone go get your mammogram. And less than seven weeks later, I was at a hotel bathroom in Disney World, naked, just got out of the shower or something, and I rubbed my underboob. I just kind of had an itch, and thank you to that itch, but I rubbed it and I thought, oh God, there it is. And it was, it felt like a bean. So if you got a bag of hard, raw beans, that's what it felt like. There was a bean in my boob that shouldn't have been, and you know, this is a pivot point. I didn't Google it. I didn't call my friends. I didn't call my mom and cry. What should I do? I picked up my phone. It was in the bathroom with me. And within 30 seconds, I had my gynecologist's office on the phone. I said, hey, I found a lump and I need to see you. So I was taking it seriously and so were they. I was out of town for the weekend or I would have been able to go straight in. Um, But on Monday, I went to the gynos and she felt it and she goes, yeah, let's get that scanned. And so a few days later, I was at um, music here in town, Dr. Yancey, who I've seen forever, and I love her, the radiologist, but had them had an ultrasound. And the radio, it's funny, the ultrasound tech, she's so lovely, but she was totally poker face. They're not allowed to say anything since they're not the doctor. They just do the initial screening. So as she's rolling over this lump, I can see it. It's a little black circle. And I'm thinking, hmm, that doesn't look good, but there's still a little ounce of hope that maybe it's a benign cyst or something. And then Dr. Yancey comes in, and she's kind of jumpy. She's just a little breathless, and I could detect the difference because I know her. And so she rolls over with the ultrasound thing on my breast, and she says, yeah, this, 
This lump looks a little suspicious. However, you've got three hard swollen lymph nodes I'm really concerned about. And that was when I just burst into tears and I knew, oh God, I definitely 100% have breast cancer because you know once it goes to the lymph nodes, you know it's spread. And I for certain thought I was dying. And it's interesting, I'm, I pride myself on being that ultimate optimist with tremendous perspective. But right then and there, I knew I wasn't gonna see my kids graduate, see their weddings, you know, your whole life, you just think it's over. I'm gonna be dead, I'm gonna be bald, and I'm gonna be dead. And it was terrifying, it was absolutely terrifying. So um, I have a girlfriend, Cheryl Tyrone, a local, who had just recently gone through breast cancer and her office was right behind Dr. Yancey. So I went over there and boohooed to her and she was such a great source of support and kindness and her husband's a physician. So she was really happy with her oncology team and you know how doctors kind of know who the best doctors are. I had, tr- I had real faith that she was gonna steer me in the right direction. So she advised me who her three physicians were and um, I got an appointment with the surgeon that afternoon. The very next morning I had a biopsy, which wasn't a lot of fun. I mean, none of it's a lot of fun, right? And then the next week I was given a call by the surgeon who said, yeah, it's, it's cancer. We got the results back, but we don't know what kind of cancer is. Because apparently within the realm of breast cancer, there's many different types. So some people think breast cancer is one thing. There's a, a handful of varieties, at least, within breast cancer. And I, I would say every case is like a snowflake. So, you know, my experience would definitely be defi- different, yet probably similar than the next patient. Anyways, I'm at the Bagel Bakery in town with my interns. I have three amazing UF interns, and I had just broken the news to them because now their life was going to get a little weird that their boss was going to start with breast cancer treatment. And the nurse calls, she goes, okay, so we got the genetic um, information on your tumor, and that's really where you, where you know which drugs you'll be on, what your treatment will look like. And she goes, okay, so you're HER2 positive, and you're estrogen positive, and you're progesterone positive, and with that, I went, mother effer at the top of my lungs in the bagel bakery. I was like, wow, I have to be positive for everything? I'm definitely gonna die, and she said, no, 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 in this case, the positives are good things because it means we know what your cancer is feeding off of and we know how to kill it. Mm. So triple negative can- breast cancer is a little more intimidating than triple positive. Of course, I didn't know this. I just thought I'd, I'm gonna die. You know, Every minute you think, oh gosh, I'm dying. So that set me off on a series of you know, uh, experiences that led to starting chemo, I think two and a half weeks after I found my lump. So I just went full throttle into, we called it the mean chemo, but um, my protocol became six rounds of mean chemo, which was a combination of four different drugs. I do that every three weeks. And then after the mean chemo, I had 15 rounds of a less toxic, yet still mean chemo. I called it Godzilla. Its name was Kudzilla, but... I called it Godzilla. I and I had too. nicknames for everything. So we'll talk about my book after. But everything in the world had a nickname with me. And I had a surgery. I had 33 rounds of radiation. And I got no freaking superpowers, if you can believe that. Because all the Marvel folks, how do they get their superpowers? 
Drugs? Radiation. <laughs> radiation, right? I like, think oh, no, like, radiation and is, you know, I, anyways, I was duped. I thought for certain I'd be able to shoot lasers out of my eyes or fire from my fingertips. But um, I didn't get any of that, but I did get to live. That's the spoiler alert on the book, too. Happy ending. Sorry. <laughs> no. I mean, that's the ending that we want. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, oh, there's so much here. Uh how about let me let me talk this is something that's been on my mind a lot in 2020 okay which is just mindset yeah right like game changer i mean this this year has just been so rough you know like it's just so easy for so many of us to start you know, dwelling on all the bad stuff. Yeah, misery is a choice. Right? Yeah. What a waste like, of time. Like, like 2020 has been so tough. 2020? Business, business sucks, and this sucks, <laughs> and that sucks, and COVID sucks, and politics sucks, and everything sucks. Um, but then, uh, but then, like, I mean, the, this is the stuff that I like really point to for myself. Right. Like, I, I, I try to go to a place where I'm like, man, you know, uh, at least my kids aren't in the hospital yep. dying of cancer. Yep. You know, and like, and or uh, you know, at least I'm not. Uh, I just go to like what I'm grateful for, right? And I and that's what helps me, even though it's still really, really tough. Um, but how did you, how did you prepare yourself in your mindset for what you were going to go through? So I can say that there's a lifelong ha- history with me of being a joy addict of perspective being very, very strong. Bitching and moaning just has no place in my life. I have no interest in hearing it from other people. I'd be a terrible therapist because I just always think, suck it up, slacker. It's not so bad. So with But even when you like got told the news right. and you instantly go into and oh my God, I'm gonna yeah. die. But what I didn't do is I didn't get on Facebook and say, Oh my God, everybody, I'm dying. Pray for me. You know, and some people do that over a sprained ankle, right? I pray I sprained my ankle. Pray for me. And if that's who they want to be, fine. I'm a person who admires and appreciates strength and grittiness above all else. And so I choose that for myself. And so again, I was terrified. I kept, I kept it to myself. You'll, you won't go back and find one pathetic post of mine. Um, I was actually bullied into sharing the news that I had breast cancer just simply because I was gonna go from having two feet of hair to zero inches of hair. I was gonna be bald and I was gonna stand on stages for, 20, for a year and a half and people were gonna ask questions if I didn't let them know. But as far as perspective goes, what I decided was um, I wasn't a kid with cancer, it wasn't my kid with cancer, and it wasn't one of the far more typically lethal types of cancer. So I would keep my complaints from to a minimum. My doctors all but assured me a cure. You know, they say we can't promise anyone, but we believe strongly you will have a long, healthy life ahead of you. And so things got rough. I was violently ill, and I was violently ill for solid five months. Did you ever have the tequila hangover? Mm-hmm. Yeah, imagine traveling. To the point where I don't drink tequila Right, much me anymore. neither. <laughs> That's back in the college days. But um, yeah, I, I decided that I wasn't gonna give cancer any glory. I wasn't gonna let it at least look like it was getting the best of me. It certainly broke my heart on a million occasions and I would sit in my bathroom and cry or my car and cry, but I wouldn't sit in front of my kids and sob at least as much as possible. And I even hid it from my husband. I just, not everybody needs to take this path. This was my path that I chose. 
Um, but I did chose, it feel like you were in it alone during it, those times? You're very much alone. And so here's the deal. I had a wonderful family and friends, local friends, friends from all over the world came out of the woodwork with support and these kind words. And my mailbox was constantly full of packages and gift cards and people brought me us meals and drove my kids around. And so all of those things were incredible. And so we weren't alone, but I was the one who had to endure all of the pokes and the prods and the misery, you know, nobody else could be sick for me. And so it's a very lonely experience. And, uh, you know, even when you go into the cancer center, it's funny, I was one of the younger people in there, and which is a good thing. You don't want to be surrounded by your peers when you're a young adult with cancer. But then I would look at all of these older folks and many of them were being dropped off by a handy van and then, you know, left, they would get their treatment, which was excellent care, excellent care at the Florida Cancer Center and the Cancer Center at North Florida. However, those doctors couldn't babysit the elderly patients, so when they were done being treated, they'd be left out in a wheelchair in the lobby waiting for their ride that may or may not show up for a while. It just, you know, I looked at them and thought, well, that's really lonely too. I mean, it, it is, and I'm sure anyone listening to this who's been through not only cancer, but maybe MS or horrible accident, it's, you know, no matter how much friendship and love you have, it's a very lonely experience. But for me, it was temporary. It was 2019. Man, 2020 rocks. <laughs> There's virtually nothing that could happen this year that could make it worse than 2019, knock on wood. Yeah. So when you're sitting there trying to like grit it out, I mean, did you have people like approach you and be like, hey, no, it's okay, like like let it out and uh-huh. try to get you to like overcorrect yeah. in a way that you didn't want to? Yeah, and I, I was like, okay, thank you, but. Um, sometimes people want you to react a certain way and they think you're they're doing you a favor by I, pulling you there, right? I had so many, st- so these are the funny things from strangers or, or even, you know, anyone. People are trying to connect and they're doing their best, so we can appreciate that. But one of the first bit of strangeness I would get is people reached out. I, ha- I ended up having to make a video. Once I contacted my friend, my very close friends and family, I made a little video called I Have Breast Cancer. It's actually still on my Fitness Facebook page and YouTube. Weirdest four minutes of footage I've ever recorded in my life. And TV is one of the things I do. But, um, you know, there was a windfall of concern and care and kind messages. But so many people would private message me and say, hey, my mom died of breast cancer. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. And, you know, hey, I hope you're doing great. My sister died of breast cancer. And I thought, oh, God, why would you remind me that mm-hmm. your favorite person died? Like, it's lethal. I get it. It can be lethal. It's terrifying. So I thought it was weird that people would say things like that. And then I had strangers, and, you know, my life is full of very close, real friends. And then real friends that I've only met on occasion through race announcing. And then I have people that are quote unquote friends on social media that I've never actually met in any capacity. But those were the people that would come yeah, and say. Yeah, we're like besties on Facebook right? we just met. <laughs> <laughs> so all those people that I literally have never stood in the same room with would be like, hey, if you need someone to talk to, you can tell me all your deep, dark fears and call me at any time of the night. And I just thought, okay, no thank you, but it was an interesting experience. It was very interesting. I felt very loved and very supportive, but there was also a bunch of question marks over my head on a regular basis thinking, hmm, that's kind of weird. This might be an interesting question, but like, 
is could you have been better supported and like how could you know how could those uh, you know, I always find it, it's always an awkward position, right? Like when some, maybe somebody does pass away, like it's always like, ah, oh, man, like, you know, I want to, I want to help, but I'm not really sure how. Or you know, my friend is going through this, you know, this very personal, uh, you know, experience and yeah. going through cancer or something. Like, there's always these things that touch our lives, and I think it's o- always when you're on the other side, it's like, man, like I really don't know what right. to say or how to handle it. I want to be supportive, but like, I don't know if I should just like completely like back off or, you know, and not overwhelm them because I'm sure that they are getting overwhelmed. You know, we have, and maybe they're just limited beliefs. Like, I don't really know, but like what would have been a great way to support you through that? I get it. And I actually have some friends going through it and I I still feel helpless with them, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's a real feeling. And uh, the things that were most helpful to me, you know, A, A, there were some days I was so sick. If, If my husband didn't bring me a drink, I wouldn't have had a drink. So if you have someone who's alone and they're sick from cancer, show up, show up, take care of their house, scrub their toilet, bring them a drink, whatever it is, keep an eye on them. You know, I was fortunate to have a family. I have teenagers, so they pitched in on occasion too. Um, the meal train helped a lot. I wasn't able to eat the food, but my kids ate. And that was one of my greatest fears. They need to be fed and they need safe rides. So those functional things mattered a lot. In fact, I, some of my friends drove me around when I was too sick or loopy to be safe behind the wheel of a car. And there were those times. Um, so rides, food, uh, a personal elf, one of the local companies donated two house cleanings to me. And so while my husband did a great job sticking with the basics, you know, he made sure the kids had everything, but man, my bathroom needed some scrubbing and the personal health came in and it just felt refreshing. So I think functional tasks, mow a lawn, and then little texts. So just something that starts with, you don't have to respond. Just know I love you. Mm. You don't have to respond thinking of you, sending over a blank for you today, whatever it is. So the pressure-free interactions, mm. I thought um, I really appreciated those because I, and I'm and i a caregiver. It's weird to be on the receiving end of yeah, help. I'm someone can. who takes care of others. So when I got a text that just said, no need to respond, I love you, and I really did feel too sick to even text, then that took the weight off and I could just smile and think, oh, Robin loves me. and. Then I went back to sleep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, functional gifts I think go a long way. That's good. That's really. Oh, good. and then just say I'm rooting for you. If you have someone who's been through something that you know has a very scary outcome, don't reference it. Don't say, "Whoa, breast cancer killed my three closest friends." Just say, "Hey, science is so good. New research out all the time. I'm rooting for you. I know you're going to be great." And I think that pep talk will go a long way, even in the most dire circumstances. I think one of the most toxic things, thoughts, uh, but one of the most sometimes unavoidable is the, is the why me aspect, and did you have to encounter that? Never once, never once. I truly believe there was a rogue cell that just you know, went a little nuts in my breast. I don't think there was some mean man in the sky that pointed me out and said, her, <laughs> you know, we're going to kill her. I, I don't think any of that. I just think rogue cell, and I love science, so. I truly believe it was a rogue cell and I never had a why me moment. Good. And it wouldn't have been beneficial if I had, right? I seldom is. Yeah. I, I think, I, I don't know. 
I, I like to think that I'm mentally strong in those cases, but also yeah. like sometimes I, I feel like in my own life, it's hard to not go down that hole and, and look around, especially like, I mean, you mentioned be, being the youngest person in the room, yeah. right? Something like that. You know, it's hard for a lot of people to not wonder why they're having to deal with this, whether it's their faith or spiritual beliefs or anything like that. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I could see why some people too, I just, why not me? You know, why not? I'm surrounded mm. by a bunch of healthy, fit, strong people. Why not me? You know, it's one in eight women with breast cancer. So, you know, I used to look at my friends and think, golly, it's so fortunate none of them have been seriously hurt or gotten sick. How lucky we all are. And then all of a sudden, it was me. Mm. So it was a bit surprised, but I never thought why. Never. So interesting. Like, I... I know it's all because of 2020. I've been like really into doing, I mean, I'm a pretty spiritual person and like I've been, you know, reading my Bible every morning and I've been picking, I don't I want to call them self-help books, but like I would say like books around the topic of perseverance yeah. and getting through. Yeah. Right? And I think it's just relevant to the year of 2020 for the majority of us. Um, even though you're having a fantastic right. year, I'm so excited <laughs> that somebody is. <laughs> uh, you know, so I'm reading a book by Ryan Holiday, which I think is fantastic, called The Obstacle is the Way. Okay. You know, and it's just like, it's, I don't know if it's a relief, it's almost like when you just embrace it, like this is happening to me and I'm just thinking for me like again nothing in comparison right like I'm like I look at my problems and I'm like what are you bitching about (laughs) you know like that's that's where I go um but but man I'm still like man like the the challenge of this year I'm like man like not only do I want to I don't I don't know it's a mindset shift I'm, I'm at a place now where I was like yeah like I felt sorry for myself for a very short period of time right and now it's like no, I'm gonna I'm gonna prevail. Like Good. I'm gonna get through this, and I'm gonna show, and in the process, show everybody else how to get through yeah, it. Yeah, now that's and good. So, yeah, and so like I think you know, just a word of encouragement to our audience, everybody's listening. I think I think it it is a mindset shift. I but I understand how difficult it can be to get there because I was I was definitely like, man, I'm like man, this year just sucks. Like why does this keep happening? Like, <laughs> you know, and I just. So I don't know any tricks to like really snap out of those moments. Yeah. So perspective. And it's funny because before all of this happened to me, my mantra was it's not cancer. So no matter what would happen, I would always say, well, it's not cancer. And then all of a sudden it was. And I thought, oh, dang it. Now it's <laughs> cancer. However, then I started rationalizing again. I'm not a kid. It's not my kid. It's not pancreatic cancer, you know? So there were these things, and even at my worst, no matter what was going wrong, and trust me, everything hit the fan. In fact, the reason I wrote the book is because some of the things that hit the fan are hilarious, but um, I have a chapter called The Bright Side of Poop on My Face, which which, (laughs) which happens, it's a good chapter. Um, but yeah, I just, there's no way I'm going to start complaining. I don't, I don't also want to be a burden to someone else. I didn't mind it when people had to bring me a glass of water. You know, that was okay. That was reasonable. And I would do that for a friend going through treatment, but complaining, not okay. It's just not who I am. If you want to be a complaining person, you can go ahead and be a complaining person, but certainly not, uh, enhancing your life or someone else's and, it almost got a little bit annoying when things were going so wrong for me and I couldn't feel sorry for myself. I was like, dang it, Fitz Kohler. <laughs> you know? 
be human, complain, but I just, uh, I just couldn't do it. I laughed at myself a hell of a lot because some of the stuff was just outrageous and, you know, the funny side of cancer, right? Yeah. Well, can now I'm like super interested about poop on your face. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, can you give us a little, like a little? I don't know. Tease? Should I Just tell you about tease? that one? Yeah. So this is great. I'm I'm walking around my neighborhood with my dog, and my dog, man, Piper. She was my best friend through the whole thing. She took great care of me. She became the mommy. You know, what kind I, of dog wherever is she? I, she's half lab, yellow lab, and half greyhound, half princess. She's just <laughs> perfection. But um, I think it's in December. So I was off of the mean chemo. I was able to go for walks and I'm going around the back of my neighborhood and my friend Beth, who lives back there, she's gone through a difficult year. Her young husband passed away uh, in May of last year. So we both have had a difficult year. And while so many people were trying to fix our problems, we just look at each other and think, all right, I get it. It's hard, we'll get through it. And so I'm walking around the back, it's in the morning, and I say hi to Beth, and she waves hi, she's doing her lawn or something, and then bam, something hits me right in the face really hard. So I scream, I go, ah, and I bend over, and Beth comes running, are you okay? And I look up and I go, Beth, is there poop on my face? (laughs) And she goes, yes, there is, and it was everywhere. I mean, it was a big, big doo-doo. It was awful. It was from my forehead, my nose, my chin, you name it. And it hit me so hard. And I'm the bald person. I mean, the whole thing is a mess. And we just oh died laughing. We laughed so hard because really, you know, for us at the end of this miserable year, and now a bird just craps right in my face. So we cried our eyes out laughing. We might have buckled over in the middle of that street for five solid minutes. And then so finally I said, Beth, do you have a paper towel? Or she offered one and I took her up on it and we wiped the uh, poop off my face. And so now (laughs) whenever Beth and I see each other, we'll say, how are you doing? And the answer is, there's no poop on my face. And that means things are okay, right? So, bright side of poop on my face. You got perspective coming at you in a variety of ways. I love it. That was a great transition (laughs) from perspective and uh, love it. So, before we wrap up, I mean, why not like tell our audience a little bit about this? Now you're an author. Now this whole story has turned into uh, literally a story for everybody to read. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually my second book. The first is a cookbook, but um, you know, when I was first started chemo. You expect to be sick. I knew I was gonna end up bald and tired, but I didn't realize all the things that would go wrong and how hilarious some of them would be. And some of the side effects were so preposterous that I started making notes. I don't know why. I just started making notes because I'm a sarcastic person. I was like, someone's gonna enjoy hearing about this one day. And they piled up and they were funny. And then also um, the story revolves around my race announcing career. So I decided when I was diagnosed, I was not giving up one of my races. My career is the dream career. And I earned my rightful spot on those stages and I was not gonna give them up. So with all of the chemo and all of the radiation, all those surgeries, I got on a plane 22 different times to fly to different cities around the country to announce massive events. And sometimes I would get on a plane and the second I'd get off, I'd go straight to IV fluids. Mm -hmm. My race directors were arranging for me. There was just a bunch of interesting, funny, heartwarming, 
frightening. I don't know. It's it's a breast cancer story that is somewhat medical. Well, it's medical and it's raw and it's real. It's all the truth. It's all the things I never told anybody while I was going through it. They'll see some things that will make them cry. And then there's a lot of laughter. I, I could have also called it Adventures in Breast Cancer. Uh-huh. You know, it was just, it. it's an adventure tale. And thankfully, it's one that I triumphed over. And, you know, for anyone who's going through anything hard, I encourage them to pursue their passion. And, you know, if you know a friend who has breast, who has any sort of cancer, whatever, it doesn't matter, or MS or just something difficult, you know, this book is a reminder to pursue your passions because your life is gonna be so much better if you continue taking part in things you love. Mine was my career and my children. Yours might be gardening and painting or, or watching football, whatever it is. But having a passion in life matters. And then the other thing is, you know, when it comes to health, I like to remind everybody that your health actually matters. And I encourage everyone to prepare your body to do battle right now because you never know when you're going to get hit by the bus or you're going to be diagnosed with something harsh and you are far more likely to rehabilitate and recover and spring back more quickly if you were strong and fit when this whole ordeal started. That's awesome. Yeah. So is the book out already? Or? The book, yeah, yeah. So because this episode releases it's pretty. on you October look twenty sixth, yeah. Oh, so that's pretty. Pretty. Take a look. Yeah, it's very pretty. Look at this. October twenty sixth. Yes, it's well, out. And um, it's hardcover, paperback, ebook, and audiobook. So you could just listen to me while you run or this is awesome. Whatever or drive, and um, if. It's available at all the major book retailers, so you can get it anywhere. However, if you get it at fitsness.com, those books will be signed, and I'm providing a fun gift with purchase. So you get a little oh, extra if you come straight to my site. That's awesome. So right before we re- we recorded this, the show, you started to proceed to tell me a little bit about like recording the <laughs> audio book. Yeah, so yeah. You, so you did an audio version. I did. And like I could tell it was gonna be super interesting. I was uh-huh. like, wait, 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 wait. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't tell me before we hit record. So like, so now that we can share it with our audience. So yeah, tell me about this audio recording experience. Okay, so I'll start by saying I'm a professional speaker. I speak for a living. I do corporate speaking, <laughs> spokesperson work. I'm always on a microphone and I think I'm pretty good at it. Now, when I get in the studio where you have to be specifically precise, not miss a word, don't contract something that wasn't written in a contracted way, and and you can't have any background noise. I mean, even here, you guys have done a really good job. A recording studio for the audiobook has like, to be precise, right. yeah. And my sound engineer, Kevin Hunt, from um, Signature Soundstage Ocala, who I love, he would say things like, uh, you were a little aggressive with the P, less P. And how do you say potatoes without a P sound? (laughs) And so for, I don't know, we recorded for 30 hours and I was constantly being reminded to eat my P's, whatever that means, and my S's were long and holy cow, just constantly going back and getting stuck on little dumb words, it. How do you screw up the word it? I found a way. (laughs) It was very humbling. And I'm so happy it's over, hooray! And I hope everyone orders the audiobook, and then I will feel like it was a worthy <laughs> So it took 30 hours to record? 30 hours of recording time, did and Did you have then, to like do, like how many, I mean, did you have to do like 20 takes of one sentence? Sometimes. Of, yeah? Yes. Really? Yes, oh because again, it has to be perfect, and it's there forever. 
Um, so I'd be terrible at it too. If it's it's painful, and he had all of the nicest equipment. But even sometimes, apparently, your mouth makes a noise. I don't know what kind of mouth noises I make, but now I'm totally self conscious that my mouth makes noises that aren't words. Oh, it just, it's hard to describe. It's not as comfortable and easy and easy breezy as this experience. It's precise. And even like breathing when you're doing it, yes. right? Because you can't be like. <gasps> That's a thing. He'll say that was too big of a breath. Go back Do they edit that out or they just, no, you have to like fix it. If, if he hears it while you're recording it, it's go back and do it again. Mm. Now in uh, post editing, he, he removed. It up. Yeah, he cleaned it out, and he's he's a pro, and it sounds fantastic. I'm really proud of I'm really proud of all of it, and you know these are all my words, but I hired a Gator as my professional editor. She's extraordinary, so she really did a wonderful job making me sound, even making my words much better than they were when I laid them down. Um, my cover designer, I think he did a wonderful yeah, job. Yeah, awesome. Layout man. designer, you know, the, it was a big team um, project and I am very proud of this book. Yeah, I hope everybody gets it. What's the number one tip for writing a book? I'm gonna write a book one day, but like I... Don't talk about it, write it and commit time per day. So every day day you're gonna write for 30 minutes no matter what. Okay. Yeah, just just write. How long was the process then? Uh, It's interesting, I started writing in July of 2019 so I was still in the thick of it. Actually I was going through the mean chemo and I started writing on a plane and I, I'm a writer in general, thousands of articles, but I have a book previously, but um, I started writing on my iPad in the notes section, just started putting it down, and then I would really only write when I was on airplanes, because that's the only time I had you know, quiet time to sit down and do things. And then, gee whiz, thanks for COVID for shutting my career down. So I've lost 34 events this year, mm. and I ended up, instead of just sitting around being miserable, I decided to make lemonade, and I got to work finishing up the book in March, and it's a very lengthy process, but yeah, I would say over a year from first word to uh, having a Final. printed copy. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I, know, I know we have to wrap up soon, yeah. but I, I, want, I did want to ask that. Like, how did the battle that you went through with all of this in 2019 prepare you for like going through COVID with the rest of it? Like, did it change your mindset? You know, have you, were you craving getting back to some normalcy and then the normalcy never came? Yeah, I was Mm -hmm. desperate to get back to real life. Well, I already, you know, I continued on with real life while I was going through it, but I was desperate to get back to traveling and work without feeling sick. And then, you know, that was a bummer. Obviously facing a legit lethal disease, you know, the COVID being a 99.995% survival rate, I was okay with. So um, I'm ready to lick the doorknobs. I wanna go back to the finish line and hug all of my strangers. When I was at the height of my immune system being suppressed, I never shied away from a plane or a mass gathering and I hugged every, every finisher I could get my hands on. My life is better with people, my life is better with smiles, so. You know, I've done my best to comply, as we all have, but I feel really good about a 99.95 survival rate on anything. So I'm ready for the world to turn back on and, you know, reboot and go back to all the awesome things that we love participating in, especially as a fitness expert. I know that isolation is no good for anybody, not going to the gym, not competing in contact sports. Those things aren't good for our health or our immune system. So I'm ready. Let's go. 
I ran a half marathon in February. Now I get winded going to the refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how quickly things but, change. But man. running is not canceled. So just so you right. know, no, you can know. go out and run. <laughs> yeah. And the me, like I've been blaming everything on my knee this year. Right, how'd you, how'd you, how'd you return Playing capture the flag with the kids. <laughs> that sounds but fun. Yeah, it was fun, but like a really, really Time to start swimming. Now you've Maybe, got a new yeah. passion. It's swimming. I just assigned <laughs> it to you. Congratulations. This is so inspirational. There you I go. I love it. No, it really, it really is. This was, this was amazing. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming on our show. I mean, I'm definitely inspired and it, like, I can't wait. Uh, you had already sent me the digital copy of the book and I had started it. I can't wait to finish it. Oh, good. I'm um, really, really excited to, to dive into it. And so just thank you so much for coming on our show and and sharing your story with us. That's a blessing to be here. I love I love living in Gainesville. I love being a gator and you know, whoa, right? There's yeah. a lot of good stuff around here. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, tell our audience where they can connect with you. Is is the website the best place? They need to go straight to fitness.com and that's my home, as well as I'm at fitness on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. So find me at Fitness at any of those places. And if you have any questions or you want to contact, I love communicating with my audience. So reach out. Yeah, definitely do it. Definitely check out the book, My Noisy Cancer Comeback, right there, you guys. And uh, order it at Fitness.com. Yes, sir. F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S.com. Get that special gift. Yeah. So, well, thanks again so much for coming on. And you guys, thank you so much for listening and supporting our show. Um, just to remind you that if you missed our sponsors information, um, or if you wanna see all the sponsors that support our show, definitely go to whoagnv.com forward slash sponsors. They're the ones that make this happen. Uh, we're just so incredibly grateful for those guys. And uh, of course, much love to our entire crew. We got James Leitner on the cameras and editing, doing it all up. Super mad love for you, bro. And Sarah, who is always, where is she? She's hiding. She's hiding, She's hiding doing social Peek-a-boo. media stuff and really <laughs> keeping us organized. Of course, my co-host, Michael Dees. And Allison Madrino does so much stuff behind the scenes. Just super grateful for the crew this year. I mean, we. this is episode 122? Is that what it is? That's crazy. Whoa. Dude, it's like, it's crazy that we've come so far. And so, you guys, definitely, please share this with somebody. Share this story with somebody and uh, support Fitz. Order the book. And thanks again for coming on our show. Thank you. This is the WHOA GNV Podcast. The podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. whoa. Give us your best whoa. Whoa. <laughs> now I said like you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you later. Bye. The Halloween beat Georgia. <laughs>